from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to chapter 35 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray and alongside me, as per usual, is the one and the only Mr. Sports Illustrated himself, Graham Merrow Merrigan. Graham, how are you? I feel great today. Brilliant. You should do. Yeah, I feel great most days, to be honest. You're a global sensation at the moment, and we'll talk about that. We shall talk about that in detail. The working week flies through these days, doesn't oh, it? It's great. It's great stuff altogether. Crazy. Um, we are brought to you by the wonderful and fantastic Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. The greatest hotel <laughs> on the island of Ireland. Hands on, down. On anywhere and everywhere, you will not find a better establishment. than this. Love it up here. It's a great new home. It, it suits us and we suit them. And it's a beautiful relationship and I can't wait to see what Offspring produces. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, check out Fitzpatrick's Castle um, for everything you need, basically. In terms of a weekend away or a bit of dinner or a few drinks or just any sort of occasion at all. Rather it be a family dinner, a family get-together or party, a wedding, whatever you want, lads. So all your family needs, all your romantic needs, you'll impress a partner of your choosing by bringing them up here have a swim could have a swim yeah you can go for a bit of membership in their their goyim sauna sauna everything they have it all man they have it all little hot tub me and graham frequent after we record (laughs) each week we just just come from the hot tub exactly we like to we like to warm up by going to the hot tub (laughs) and then we like to wind down after the stress of recording by going back to the hot tub some days we don't even get changed so i'm still in my speedo (laughs) graham puts the wet weather tires on (laughs) (laughs) and we just rock rock up and then we get like off road (laughs) imagine we chair was like like one of those submarine things that'd be amazing like what's the thing that goes around town the Viking Splash? The Viking Splash. Imagine the Merrigan Mania Splash. Oh my God, that'd be it. And you, you had a little helmet that you wore and you shouted at people. Yeah, and I, and I just went into the river in Glenavon. <laughs> <laughs> and up the tunnel? Up the tunnel. Or down the waterfall of Cromlick. Oh, oh man, the water. Well, is that Cromlick? No, it wouldn't be Cromlick, wouldn't that be? The waterfalls of Cromlick. It'd be more Arden, Arden Avenue, surely, would it? Cromlick, isn't it? Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I'm a Cromleckian, I should know this. Yeah, you is should that, know. Is that what we'd call ourselves? Yeah, I'm a must consult Paul Howard on that. He would uh, he would correct me. Cromleckian. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like a Star Wars character, all right. It does. Speaking of Paul Howard. Yeah. How are you, Paul? Uh, great bloke. Love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, look, FitzpatrickCastle.com, should you be interested. And we'd highly recommend it. So, Graham. You. Um, we're going to be uh, talking mainly MMA because by the time people are listening to this, um, you will be... In the beautiful state of Nevada, in the glorious city of Las Vegas, you'd be watching the king take down another usurper. (laughs) UFC 196. Yeah. Um, Looking forward to Holly Holm and Misha Tate as well, I have to say. Yeah, me too. I suppose kind of it's it's a bit of a weird one, this, purely because um, we had Tony on last week, Mm. obviously. uh, Well, earlier this week. um, And as we were speaking to Tony, we were speaking to Tony. Just as the news of the Sanyos being pulled from the fight was being announced and that kind of thing. And yeah. then while we were actually recording with him then, 
the rumour mill was in full spin that it was going to be Nate Diaz that Conor was and, and we were hoping Tony would get something for us and we might be able to do something and it'd be like oh my god look we know for everybody else but it didn't it kind of broke after we had spoke to him a little bit but for all intents and purposes we knew at that point in time that it was 99% going to be Nate Diaz yeah. I think um, I think the people's choice for I'd say like obviously people were disappointed that uh, RDA had pulled out with a foot injury um, but at the same time I think people were happy and the, the, the number one kind of replacement was Nate Diaz it was the fans choice yeah there was nobody else. I mean, even on all the polls on websites, you know, it was uh, Nate Diaz, Cowboy Cerrone, um, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, Uriah Faber. It was number one was always well, going to be Nate Diaz. I, I think what's interesting on it also was the fact that so many of them seem to have been offered to fight and turned it down, turned it down for one reason or another. Um, I like to think it's because they're Little little scaredy cats, Scared. God bless them and saved them. But it's funny um, because apparently uh, Jose Aldo was told to to absolutely be, be yeah. ready, and yeah. then when they reached out, Pedro said no, he's not fit. Well, what's what's really interesting about that in particular is the fact that Aldo, when he was champion, was never as active in the media or on social media as he has been since he got knocked out by Conor McGregor. Yeah. And everything he's posted up has been about how he's going to take McGregor down. He's going to he's going to get his belt back, and then he's been saying, like, what was it he said? I won't fight unless it's for the title. The only exception I make to that is to fight Mister McGregor again, yeah. anytime, any place, anywhere. I will fight him. He gets the call. Oh God, no, just no, could be doing that. No, I'm not ready. Um, but um. It's funny as well, um, because his medical suspension only expired there recently enough as well. It did. Uh, yeah. Um, now, we're we're big fans of talking about concussion on this show. I think, we, I think we've gone... But that's the thing, because if you watch the press conference for when Nate and Connor first squared up last week, yeah. um, Connor, like, it, he was saying, he was being deadly serious and saying, you know... Head traumas is serious in the sport, and you should be taken up to a year off, a year and a, a half. Year off. And he said the same for Chad Mendes, who received two killer knockouts in a row. Well, like one in one in July and one in one, oh, one in July December. and one in December. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting that Connor, because as soon as he said it initially, uh, crowd reaction uh, were kind of laughing. It's used Connor's usual rhetoric. Yeah. But, he was actually being serious, and he looked at a fan. He said, "Now look, I'm I'm being serious here. Absolutely. He needs to take time off for his own health." It, it is. It's it's one of them like that. For people who, and I don't claim to be an expert in MMA. I, I never claim to be an expert in anything. Mm. I'm uh, You're a fan, like exactly. I, I'm an expert in nothing but of an opinion on everything. That's how I roll. <laughs> um, but uh, the, I'll agree the, with you. I'll agree with you to a certain extent. to a certain extent. Thanks, Ram. Um, the the whole. How uh, the whole thing with MMA is the gloves, the smaller gloves, the cleaner connection, rather than the big heavy boxing gloves. Now the big he- heavy boxing gloves would lead to more sub concussive blows, whereas the MMA ones lead to just pure violent knockouts, yeah. which in some ways is almost better because you're not getting repeated sub concussive blows, and it's not that kind of dull thudding punch. You're getting that clean, crisp one that is just gonna there and then finish it in theory so when you see a guy getting devastatingly knocked out such as Aldo like he he was gone there's no question about it it is a serious head trauma it absolutely is a serious head trauma and I I know the medical suspension is like 90 days or whatever the case may be and that but 
and that's sometimes precautionary if you can yeah get, you can like, get a doctor or something declare that after 30 or 40 days yeah that's, that's okay i'm just i'm starting to wonder myself at times am i looking too much at the concussion issue purely because it's a hot topic and i'm i want it like as we've talked about Everest on this show before, I'm one of them people that I go through a phase of, I find something. Obsessing over something. And I'll, I'll read as much as I can about it. I'll watch everything I can on it. And I'll digest as much as I possibly can on it until something else grabs my attention. It was Everest. Now it's concussion. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm just looking at that and I'm saying, fair enough, McGregor was turning it on in the press conference and saying that. And I know he did say, people are laughing, but I'm being serious. If you get knocked out like that, you need, for your own health, you need to, kind of sitting there and I'm saying you know what yeah you're right probably like if you get that bad a knockout and it was a bad knockout man you know you know you know you know we got back talking to the about the movie concussion you know the NFL lads yeah you know one of the NFL spoiler alert but anyway it's 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 out a while um Uh one of the guys is what mid 40s one of the portrayals of the NFL player and he's in the car and he's he loses his teeth but then he sticks them back into his mouth with super glue you yeah. know things like that how like obviously the movie identifies this is from uh, trauma to the brain yeah. but how is there a way of kind of identifying that when the player or the sportsman is alive or the sports person is alive and then fixing it is it reversible <sighs> no the, the brain is a weird thing um, in the sense that it's not like other organs in your body and it's not like other tissue in your body in the sense that if you cut your arm, it heals It heals itself. Whereas the brain, if a brain cell dies, a brain cell dies. Hence, brain dead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like literally if somebody is brain dead, they can't be. Whereas you can restart the heart. You know what I mean? If you puncture a lung, you can get going again. Yeah. Whereas the brain doesn't have any of that. The brain, again, I don't know anything about this. It's just literally I'm regurgitating what I've read. What you read, um, yeah. What we think we know. Yeah, exactly. But the brain is one of them that if it suffers a traumatic injury, forget about it. It's, it is life-altering. What um, about some of the heavyweights so, in the UFC then? Well, this is the thing. One of the theories as well behind this is CTE, chronic traumatic encyclopathy, which is the the disease that these NFL players, like the, the one you're describing, who starts super gluing his teeth back into his head and all that kind of carry on, that's the disease that they suffer from. Um, OJ Simpson, for example, they reckon definitely has it. Go ahead. Um, because if you look at how his life has gone from the time he retired, there's actually a brilliant series on at the moment, American Crime Story, and it's tracking the OJ Simpson trial. Fantastic. Yeah, if you heard. haven't seen it, lads, check it out. Where, where, where is it on? Uh, where can you watch it? It... I think it's ABC in America. Because it's um, not on Netflix, right? It's not on Netflix. Um, I've been watching it through... Yeah, we t- know. T- internet. Okay. <laughs> it's not on so, the television at the moment. I don't think so, but I could be wrong now. I, yeah. I just because I'm following it on the internet, I don't know if it is actually on over here or not. I would like to think somebody has been smart enough to, to grab it because it it's brilliant. Um, Cuba Gooden Jr. plays OJ Simpson in it. So do you reckon OJ had some sort of brain trauma during that case and stuff? Well, the famous OJ. Well, this is the thing. Like the, the <sighs> look, everybody knows OJ got acquitted and he got off with murder. And rather people believe it is one thing or not. But OJ is currently serving. I think it's like sixty years in prison for kidnap, aggravated assault, uh, theft, uh, and something else. How many years? I think it's like sixty years. Oh my god! 
um, or else it could be 30 years with both two running at the same time, if that makes <coughs> sense. And, like, OJ's in his 60s now, so he's never getting out. Like, he's not. And, like, there's people like like Chris, Christopher Nowinski, uh, Benjamin um, Amalu, the, the guy, the concussion, the, the yeah. film that the, the, the doctor the film's about, rather. You Bennett. know, Be- Bennett Amalu, what did Bennett, I say, Benjamin? Benjamin yeah. Sorry, Bennett Amalu, apologies. Um, you know, they kind of, like, Christopher Nowinski is another one who's done a huge amount of work into the field of concussion as well. Like, Well, don't forget, Chris, Christopher Nowinski was the man who got Chris Benoit's brain. Exactly, yeah. And that, he's, Christopher Nowinski's a former WWE wrestler. wrestler. And he retired because of a concussion. Yeah. Um, he was a, was he, he played college NFL as well. College football. He did play college football as well. Um, college NFL does not make sense. It does college not. Football. College football. <laughs> um, but the whole thing, sorry, but the OJ thing is that they reckon that this is a guy who is clear and obvious signs with that. He's lost some of his senses. He's lost some of his wit. And it's representative of... But the thing about CT is that... Like, you can look at it and you can say this person possibly has it. But you you don't know. Like, even if you take just a scan of the brain, there's no... There's no overwhelming signs. It's only when you actually cut into the brain yeah. and you start to look at things there when you scan it and start to look at the fibres of the tissue and in greater detail. And that's why they ask for people who have passed away for their brains so that you can study it in detail because obviously you can't study a, a living person's brain in detail the same way. So it's kind of... It's morbid and it's a bit messed up and all that, but no, no, there is no way that they can... Cure it. it or reverse it or it's sad, and isn't it? And that's where the, like the rugby conversation comes into it as well. Like Amalu recently said on Off the Ball and News Talk, with rugby he doesn't worry about concussion the way he does with NFL. What he worries about is those sub concussive blows, so a number of repetitive motions and a number of repetitive incidents that one after the other, they're not as violent and they're not as heavy, but it's the number of them in such a short period of time. Just constant, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. That's the thing that worries him. And he said he's not he's not treating it the same as he would NFL, but he is concerned. It's crazy. You know? Um but anyway, look It is it's fucking scary, like. I think what we'll have to do Especially is, when it's a billion dollar company that like Yeah, and they don't have anything to cover they it. They can't up. just stop playing NFL because no. of the, the money. I think what we'll have to do, I think we'll have to do an actual chapter on this. We'll have to get somebody on and uh, we'll have to do an actual chapter on like concussion brain Winsky, trauma. Um, Amalu or someone would be fantastic. Aina Falvey or someone like that. Yeah, that'd be We'll try to set that up. Yeah, we will. Right. We'll reach out. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch as they say. Um, but look, this is more so about UFC 196, um, and as we were saying, it's McGregor Diaz, the headline, the co-main event in Holly Holm, the woman who dethroned Ronda Rousey against Misha Tate, the woman who hates Ronda Rousey. Uh, the card itself isn't half bad, though. There's a couple of good fights on there. Yeah. Um, Jim Miller, Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez is headline in the pre- uh, fight pass prelims. The fight pass prelims, all right. Go on, run us through the card there, Graham. So I'll be heading to the MGM quite early because I want to see Diego Sanchez in action. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Julian Rosa versus Taruto Isahara. Um, kicks off the f- uh, fight pass yeah. card. I don't know either of them, if I'm honest. I'll be honest, I've heard of Julian Rosa. 
but I'm not going to pretend like I know how long. If we had any sense here, we would open share dog and bluff that way too. But we're honest. I was going to say, but we're going to be honest about this. Look, we're as we said, we're fans. We're not experts. Yeah, we're talking to you as a fan here. Justin Salas, as that that first bout was in the featherweight division. Uh, the second bout with Foy Pass is in the lightweight division, which yeah. is Justin Salas versus Jason Sago. We've heard of Sago. Okay. Um, lightweight again. The main event of the Foy Pass card is Diego Sanchez versus Jim Miller. Yeah. Um. So uh, Diego gone back up to lightweight after one fight in featherweight. Who the only fight wants a featherweight? Yeah. His last, he he said that Conor McGregor um inspired him to go to featherweight and then. I don't think his body could have. He's fought since the McGregor fight, though, hasn't he? I definitely has. Well, how do you mean? Didn't since? he fight? He fought against. Didn't he fight against Poirier himself? Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Oh wait, I'm thinking of Diego Brandao. You're thinking of Brandao, man. Sorry, Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Diego Sanchez. Remember the dream slash the nightmare. Yeah, the man yeah. who used to do yes cartwheels. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I get me Diego's mixed up. That's all. There's too many Diego's in there. And yeah. um, then kicking off the actual Fox um, prelims is featherweight division fight Darren Elkins versus Chaz Skelly. Darren Elkins will win that. Yeah, I think so too. Middleweight is Vitor Miranda versus Marcelo Gamerez. Miranda will win that. Welterweight division then is Eric Silva versus Nordian Taleb. Eric, like, Eric, like Silva. Eric Silva will win that. Uh, the main event of the prelims is Brandon Thatch versus Sear. Bahadurazada. Uh Brennan Thatch will win that. Uh, he Sa- needs a win. Sahir is a solid fighter. I do actually like him, but I think Brandon Thatch will win that. Because he said he needs it, and I think he'll just get the job done. He needs it. Um, kicking off the main card then is women's, band- ma- ba- women's bantamweight division. Amanda Nunes versus Valentino Chevchenko. Now, we seen Amanda Nunes live. We did. And she nearly got the better of Kat Singano. Nearly, nearly, nearly. But nearly. Kat Singano pulled through. She um, pulled through and just destroyed her. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Nunes on that fight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know a whole lot about... Um, what's her name? Chevchenko? Yeah, Valentina Chevchenko. Don't know it's Andre Chevchenko's wife. Don't be messing. <laughs> Only joking. Then it's the light heavyweight division. Corey Anderson versus Filthy Tom Lawler. Filthy Tom Lawler all day, every day. Then the lightweight... Or light, heavy, light heavyweight again is uh, Gian Valenti versus Ilor Latifi. i got to go. Uh, and I know Latifi is um, European. And I know Latifi came out with a hurley when he was over <laughs> here. In Dublin, remember that? Um, but I have to go Gian Valenti. I have um, to He's, he's uh, a good run at the moment as well, isn't he? Um, I'm not sure if... Uh, who did he fight last? I'm pretty sure he had um Just click click into it there and we have a quick look. Um I'm Yeah, he be um he had a Yeah, he won by knockout against Anthony Porosh at one ninety three yeah. in November. Okay, yeah. Um But obviously Filthy Tom Lawler beat him. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember Tom Lawler beating him. Last summer. Yeah. Um but in saying that I, I really like Tom Lawler, if yeah. I'm being honest, I really like him. But uh Jill Valente, yeah, from the Longo Serda. Situation there. Same. Hood as Chris Weidman. Mm. And I, I love that camp. I just love Ray Longo. I love Matt Serra. I love Chris Weidman. So I'm going Jill Valenti. I love that camp. Uh, there was uh, Dana White's YouTube program. What the hell is it called? Oh, on Fight Pass. Looking for a fighter. Looking for a fight. And Valente was in it. And Weidman and Serra. And the New York accent. It was oh, the, I think brilliant. it was in the first episode. It was very They're talking about pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly. Deadly. Um, then the co-main event is for the women's Bantamweight Holly Um Right, let's look. I tell you what. Let's look at the main card. 
Right. Let's look at the main card. If we're going to do a bit of a preview show, let's have a look at the main card. Right. Nunes versus Chevchenko. Nunes all day. It has to be, don't it? I'm saying that because I know nothing about Chevchenko. <laughs> can you bring up, uh, can I say a bit about Chevchenko there to like, get an idea of her? <laughs> um, I, like, see, this is the thing. The, the UFC, because it's almost... Like, but it's, a, it's only her second fight in UFC. She fought, I think, Sarah Kaufman. Right, okay. She beat Sarah Kaufman in her UFC debut. Yeah, Sarah Kaufman's another one that hasn't really done a whole lot to impress me, though. No. So, you know. I think, look, I think I think uh, Nunes should win it. Okay, cool. Next fight. Unless it's a shock. Um, filthy Tom Lawler to beat Corey Anderson. Yeah, Corey Anderson. Here, this will be our accumulator. Nunes. Yeah. Tom Lawler. Yeah. Um, You're going Valente. Yeah, I'm I'll, going Levante. I'm going to go Latifi. Um, Holly Holm versus Misha Tate discuss here's the thing Holly Holm dominated and I mean dominated yeah. Ronda Rousey in shocked her, the world in her previous two fights she was fair to middling at best let's be honest her previous fights were boring very much so and there were decisions and they were meh yeah complete I'm mess not, I'm not saying Holly doesn't have a great skill set she is the best striker in the women's divi- in any of the women's divisions yeah. Joanna Jerjedic probably is up there with our boxing, but Holly as a kick like look, she's a multiple time world champion kickboxer. Obviously she's disciplined and incredible and amazing. And boxer as well. And Multi, she multi time champion yeah, boxer. She made Ronda Rousey look ridiculous. Mm. Absolutely like She shook her up. Everything she done in that fight was perfect. Made her there look was, vulnerable. She, she made Ronda look like an absolute amateur. Yeah. Um now, I know there's debates, that's naivety on Ronda's part for trying to strike with somebody like that rather than trying to get her down, blah, 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 whatever the case may be, or it was bad, bad fight management from Ronda's coach, uh, Edmund Tarverian, but whatever the case is, she absolutely destroyed her. However, her previous two fights, meh, to say the least. Yeah. Misha Tate, former strike force champion, she was the only person to bring Ronda Rousey outside the first round, previous to Holly Holm. It's a good she, matchup this is. I like it. I really like I it. I really like it. I don't think Misha, it's a foregone conclusion either. I don't think so. I I I'm gonna back Misha. I'm being honest there. Like I just think I, I don't like I mean look at Misha in her other fights. She got dragged into deep, deep water before man and she still comes out on top. Mm. She, that girl just like I really like Holly Holm though as well. She's just great. I do, no, I do I like Holly Holm. I loved that Q and A with her before uh, With the Irish fans and with that. The Irish fans yeah. and your man Serenader. That was just brilliant. Look I don't get me wrong, I like Holly Holm. But I fancy the arse of Misha Tate. The first time I locked eyes on her in Stripe Wars. Yeah, I was that, like, Misha, be mine. Yeah, she she is easy on the she eyes. She never answers there. me tweets, though. No, she's yet to. I've offered her, I don't know how many spice bags. Yeah, she's yeah. never, ever once answered. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll stalk her. Yeah, look, Misha, if anybody out there is listening that can get in touch with Misha, let her know. Let her know that myself and Graham are more than happy to show her the sights of Ballybrack. We'll, <laughs> we'll bring her, not just for the spot. Look, I'll tell you what, we'll treat her to all of it, right? We'll bring her to Manly's for a spice bag, but then to really treat her nice, we'll bring her up to Fitzpatrick's, and she can see how me and Graham operate in the hot tub, and then we'll bring her to the... To the <laughs> bon, chicken, bon, bon. <laughs> and then I was more so talking about how we do an improvised cannonball. <laughs> it's like... Cannonball! It's like... It, it, it's it's synchronised swimming in the most majestic way possible mm. when me and Graham enter the water. <laughs> um, and then we'll bring her into PJ's restaurant here in Fitzpatrick's Castle. And treat her to a lovely steak dinner. Right. 
on Saturday night. You can sing your Christy Moore songs to her. I'd, 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 sing her, I'd probably sing Nancy Spain to her. I'd probably sing Michael Bolton to her. Uh, I'd probably sing When a Man Loves a Woman or How Can We Be Lovers. Purely because it was Michael Bolton's birthday in the past week. I'd probably actually sing Bright Blue Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, give us a bar of it, go on. No, <laughs> can't sing one. I'd sing to Misha. Would you? Yeah. Anyway. I'd probably sing Ride On. I see what you're doing there, Graham. Yeah. I see what you're doing there. Um. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I'm going with Misha. I'm it's not a, saying... Look, I'm it's, not gonna, it's not a foregone clu- conclusion, but in that accumulator yeah. out of the five fights, that one I'd be stuck on. I'm um, not saying... Look, I'm not saying Holly Holm can't win. I'm not saying Holly Holm won't win, but what I'm saying is... I fancy Misha to do it. I fancy Misha. I, I don't think I don't think we should write her off. The um, King versus Nate Diaz. I'm really looking forward to this. Really, I don't think I, I don't think it's gonna go outside it, the first round. Though. Here's what's interesting. Well, what's, what I love about it was when they asked Nate Diaz about it, he was, "What's your game plan, Nate?" And he was like, "Kill or be killed." Yeah, kill or be killed. So. Kill or be killed. Stockton two on nine. My fucking <laughs> love. Him. Do you know what I mean? Um, here's here's the beauty of it. It's the first time that we're gonna see Conor in the UFC fight somebody who's bigger than him. It's taller than him, longer reach than him, all of So that plays a factor in it. Nate's jiu-jitsu. Max Holloway's taller than Connor. Is he? Yeah. Definitely? Must be, yeah. I don't think so. No? I don't know. I think he is. I'm going to have to check this. I don't think he has the... Re- Connor's a huge featherweight, man. Like, huge I, for 145, like. Yeah, I know. Well, um, I think... I'd, but uh, Nate's jiu-jitsu Connor's is... Connor's foot nine. Yeah, with a 74-inch reach, as far as I know. Yeah. Well, that's Max um, Holloway. Nate's jiu-jitsu is incredible. The two Diaz brothers. These are great jiu-jitsu. And Richard Perez boxing. So his striking is up there also. But I don't know if he's fought somebody with the crispness and the cleanness. Precision. The precision. Yeah, Max Holloway's 5'12". Is he? Yeah. So he's 6'4". 5'11". Mm. I was going to say, because 5'12", Graham, is 6'4". <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, thought, I was reading underneath. I'm 5'14", so. Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All he's right, 5 okay. foot 11. All right, okay, so he is taller. Well, he, well, he, he's, he's fair enough. Mm. Yeah, I was wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, look, I'm saying Conor will win. I'm saying Conor will win via KO slash TKO. Um, yeah, like, if you were the casual fan looking in and um, you took Conor's previous wins, Yeah. I mean, demolished Jose Aldo. Jose, or Nate Diaz wouldn't be Jose Aldo. If you're, I'm just doing a little, you know, a casual comparison. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, but I suppose the other side of it then is. But anything can, can happen in MMA as well, as you know. Shocks. I mean, Diaz holds a win over RDA. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't. Diaz wasn't that pr- impressive in his last fight. He took hmm. Michael Johnson to a decision, and it yeah. was. It was. Look, it was. He he took him to three rounds, and he was quite precise and. Hmm. He, but he takes an awful lot of punishment. He does, yeah. He and does. I think I'm thinking, I, as as we said, we're mm. not we're not our experts. We could be wrong, but I think um, this is me probably just playing it safe. I think Connor's going to use him as a punch bag. Yeah, look, I can't I, see him getting inside Connor at all. I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how I see it going. Other than I see Connor getting the the, the win via KO slash TKO. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be. First round, I don't know if Diaz is going to say he's going to strike with him and then try to bring him down and use the jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I don't know, but we've seen Conor be brought it's down. 170. 
Yeah. It's welterweight. It's welter. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Um, people are asking, people are texting me asking, they're concerned about the weight. And how it's going to affect and him. how it's going to affect Connor. Is it going to slow him down? Is it going to do those kind of things? But like, it's an extra 25 pounds he'd be carrying. Yeah. Like, but that I, is... If you see him in his sparring and his, and his training, he's still precise and the speed. Yeah. Like, if you've seen, there was a little clip. He put three, three or four clips. It was either on his, his fan page or his, his personal page. I can't remember, but basically it was him warming up and the speed and accuracy of him. And he mm. was doing a warm for EA Sports <laughs> for the game. So, I mean, he's probably at, what, 178 now. I would imagine he's a, he's a good shot away from making weight. Yeah, he'll only ha- he'll have to have a good pill on Thursday night, That's far away ins. And people are going to be saying, "Jesus, Connor looks great," because they're used to saying that he looks daunt. When when he's on the scales, they're used to saying he looks gaunt, he looks drawn in. It's pretty. He looks, he's he's, you know. he's like he looked at the press conference last week. I reckon he's not far off that look. Yeah, probably not. No, the other side. What what I think as well though is you can see it in like his chest and shoulders and his upper body. You can really see the size difference. Yeah. And his confidence is crazy, isn't it? Just to play devil's advocate here, I wonder if that's going to interfere with a striking. Mm. But that's what I'm saying. When you look at the training, and yeah, it's it's all the same. The speed is all the same. It is, but I mean, I know it's like, different from training to an actual fight. Yeah, I, I was going to say if we want to, like, I mean, <coughs> look at Ronda Rousey training before that Holly home fight, and look at her hitting the bags with Edmund, and look at her. You know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And Fair she point, looked yeah. amazing. And everybody was talking about how she was going to breeze through Holly and blah, blah. You know what I mean? And then you looked at the striking against Holly and it was literally like a small child trying to swing a sledgehammer. Yeah, she just she looked so awful. vulnerable. Um, Especially just, do you remember the this, the part of that fight where Holly ducked and Ronda went past her? She swung so wildly, she dropped to a knee. And yeah, and dropped to a knee in the cage, cage. And then she looked back and she just didn't know where she was. Yeah. And then recently in that Ellen DeGeneres interview, she said she doesn't remember most of that fight. Yeah, I do want to actually talk a little bit about Ronda um, shortly. Um, because we we haven't we haven't discussed that yet and I think that was very significant that interview she done with yeah. Ellen yeah. and there was a lot in it as well so we go start with that as well a little bit but Defo. but first it's one for our guest this week folks Um, we're really excited about this one we, we mentioned at the start of the show that crime has been involved with Sports Illustrated lately Um, and as part of that Graeme being the shrewd businessman that he is Managed to negotiate a little deal for us. I'm only messing with you. Basically, what Graham done was he put a feeler out with her man behind that Sports Illustrated piece that you would have seen on Conor McGregor and the, the feature that Graham was in himself. John Wertheim. Um He's the executive editor and senior. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He's been involved him since 1997. It's almost 20 years with one of the biggest publications on the planet when it comes to sport. Like um, He's the author of such books as Strokes... Strokes of Genius, um, The Greatest Match Ever Played, which is a shot-by-shot document of the 2008 Wimbledon final between Federer and Nadal. Unbelievable match. Amazing match. Um, he also wrote Blood in the Cage, which is um, it's a book with Pat Militich and the Furious Rise of the USC. I haven't read it yet, but I was looking at it on Amazon Books. I've ordered a copy of it because reviews are brilliant. And I quite like Pat Militich, if I'm being honest. Um, we're fortunate enough to well I don't know were you there when we met him last year no no alright lovely man I got to meet him and Oleg 
Tactaria proper UFC pioneer. He's an actor now. Completely random that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, John Wertheim, um he's also the host of the Beyond the Baseline podcast uh, from Sports Illustrated. Um, it's a tennis podcast. And this, this week he had Andre Agassi on it. Wow. So there you go. So he's going to be on WTS pod. And he's going to be on WTS pod. Um, bringing all of that to us. That's incredible, man. Yeah. That is incredible. Like, he, he, he literally is. He's When it comes to sports journalism, particularly tennis and MMA, this guy is the cream of the crop. And he's coming up next. Very powerful, man. Great bloke. God bless him. Coming up next on WTS pod. Um, John has joined us there. Thanks for joining us, John. Uh, th- you're, you're busy at the moment, so uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. Oh, well, my pleasure. And also, thank you for asking me to be a part of the uh, the feature that you did with, with Connor. Um, oh, no, for helping. I just, I just want to jump straight in. Um, there, there, was, there seemed to have been a bit of a, a narrative um, with, with this feature of um, what is it that us Irish love about Conor McGregor, um, other than other than the sport element of it. Um, just wondering, what is it that uh, uh, like you guys have featured Conor now on the cover of the magazine this week, and you've you've put out the, the the feature film about him. What is it that America loves about him? Do you think? I, I think you know. I mean, I think the, the United States loves. I mean, they love a champion first of all. Right. So the fact that this right now, as we're I don't know when this is going to run. I mean, as we are recording this, he is the 145 pound champion. He has yet to fight Nick Diaz, uh, but he's been a terrific fighter. America's all America's also, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if it's unique to the United States, but this whole notion of it ain't bragging if you can back it up. So we love personality. We love showmanship. We love promotion. We love bravado. And when athletes can't back it up. They're knuckleheads and they're bragging and they're trash talk. And when they do back it up, as Conor McGregor has, it makes it all the more sweet. I mean, this goes back to Babe Ruth pointing where he's going to hit the home run. Muhammad Ali is here, LeBron James, um, an athlete that can talk the talk and then backs it up. And when, when Conor McGregor is the challenger and he's fighting Aldo, a guy who hasn't lost you know, in 10 years, and says, not only am I going to win the fight, but I'm going to knock him out in the first round. And then he knocks him out in 13 seconds. That's the kind of thing that the American sports fan loves. It's it's just crazy. Like as I said in the, in the piece, I did. I was I my colleague here, Danny. Now you can't see him in shot, but I watched it in his house and hit me myself, Danny, and his brother. We were just completely in shock. We were just getting relaxed because obviously it was 5 a.m. Irish time, and right. we were just kind of getting comfortable watching the whole show. And then it comes to the main event. And it was over. Like Bruce Buffer's introductions went on longer than the actual fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's not saying much. The way Bruce Buffer's doing his introductions these days. I think uh, Holly Holmes' fight with Rousey went to uh, went to a second round, and I think Buffer's introductions were longer. But no, I mean, thirteen seconds is like uh, thirteen seconds is a vine. You know, th- thirteen seconds is uh, th- th- that's a gift. So. Um, I, I suspect the fight against Diaz will go longer. But no, I mean, Conor McGregor is, is a tremendous entertainer. And I think that, you know, I mean, again, the, the in combat sports, Muhammad Ali is obviously the very first point of comparison. But, but I do think there's some real similarities. And I think that the fact that Ali would talk the talk and he would rhyme and he would pantomime, but you knew deep down that it was about 20% over the top. And he really was sort of playing, playing the role of showman. And I think you get the same sense with, with Conor McGregor. I mean, we did this story... 
and you talk to him one on one in Dublin, and he's not the wild and crazy guy you see at the press conference. And I think the fact that the sports fan can look at him and know that there's sort of like a wink, wink, and I'm playing the promotion game a little bit, and I believe in my abilities. It's not I'm not a fraud. It's not an act, but I'm playing this up a little bit to uh, to have some fun with this. I think that's something that with sports fans that really resonates. Big time. Um, you mentioned Rhonda there. Um, what did you make of her recent interview with Ellen DeGeneres? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because a year ago, I was just telling someone this. I, I did a story on Rhonda about a year ago, and it was a lot of the same idea, right? Here's this champion, and they're very outspoken, but they back it up, and their fights don't last long. And obviously, Rhonda was defeated in November, and she didn't just lose. I mean, this wasn't sort of so she lost a, a close decision. I mean, this, this was a, a beating. And I think Ronda right now is really somewhat damaged. And I think her persona was wrapped up not just in being a champion, but being this this Wonder Woman, the superhero that won her fights in a matter of seconds. And I think that aura is now gone. And I think Ronda Rousey probably is asking herself some very difficult questions right now. Do you think it was a, an attempt uh, by her people possibly to rebrand her? Kind of, no, I mean, I think Ronda's one of these people who just, not unlike Con, Ronda's, Ronda's just one of these people who is unfailingly honest and candid. I think, you know, she's been fighting all her life, even though she was fairly late to MMA. Remember, she was this Olympic caliber judo competitor. And I think when this is someone whose identity is very much tied around combat, and when you lose the way she lost, I mean, again, this was, this was not... Uh, a close dis- this was not a close decision. This was not a lucky punch. I mean, she was just beaten. I think that really cut to the core. Like, who am I? I mean, I think she really was asking herself some questions. I, I mean, honestly, I, I've said this to other people. I'm still not 100% convinced that she fights again. I mean, it, it makes sense, and we love it when athletes you know, literally get, get back up off the canvas and get back in there, and it would make for a great redemption story, and she would avenge defeat, and if you know, if Holly Holm beats Misha Tate, we'll get this great rematch. But I, I think Ronda right now is really um, still kind of figuring out who she is. And I think that her whole identity was wrapped up in being this champion. And now that she's not the champion anymore, I, I think she's still in sort of a very precarious place. Hey, John, Danny here. Um, hey, Danny. I'm not in shot. You're probably better off not seeing this face anyway. Um, <laughs> but just on, on the Ronda thing um, with the Ellen interview... And you saying you're not 100% sure that she knows what's next for herself. I, I'd kind of be inclined to agree. I think, certainly what Graham was asking about, was it maybe a little bit of PR with that interview? It was certainly the most human Rhonda has come across, even to the point where she talked about wanting to have Travis's babies. It's the first time that we've seen Rhonda kind of let her guard down that much. So there does seem to be a lot going on in the background, plus her acting career. Do you think that's going to play a part in whatever her next move is? Like, how how likely do you think, if you had to say, are we going to see her in the octagon in 2016? I mean, you know, she, she's under contract, and I think obviously it makes for a great sporting story if she can come back and, and avenge this defeat, and everybody's going to. I mean, this rematch, if this happens, will be just an enormous, enormous fight. Um, but you know, I mean, Rhonda has other interests. She's, she's very bright. She understands sort of the, the health risks that come with this sport. There's a lot, I mean, you, you guys are, you guys are MMA fans, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's some issues with her gym. There's some issues with her trainer. There's issues in her, her mom and her trainer have been sparring. There's a lot of disruption there. And 
you know, I mean, I think if this were if this were a Hollywood movie, you scripted and she comes back and, you know, it's, this is Rocky beating Apollo Creed. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure she's going to be seduced by the movies. I mean, I think she's probably too smart for that. But I do think she's asking herself some very tough questions. Do I want to go back in there? Do I want to risk another defeat? I mean, she had a concussion. She had a head injury. At least in the U.S., that, that's an issue in, in sports that's getting a lot of traction. Is she willing to potentially suffer another concussion? Um, I mean, she, she brought it up herself. She's at, at childbearing age and is thinking about motherhood. Um, I mean, it, it's, it is interesting. Travis, Travis Brown, another, obviously another high-level fighter, is a, a figure that, that, that she's mentioned. There's a lot going on there. I mean, one thing about Connor, his life, for, for all the flash and the sports cars and all the fun he's having— He's very committed to fighting. I mean, he's singularly committed to fighting. You look at the way he trains and you look at sort of every decision he makes goes through this sort of prism of, is this going to help me be a champion? Is this good for my fighting? You look at him and then you compare that to all the distractions, all the disruption, all the sort of, you know, the, the conflict and the fissures behind the scenes that Ronda's facing. And those are, those are two fighters at very different points right now. Do you think it's a similar thing with the return of John Jones as well? A lot of distraction, a lot of background stuff there, a very high-profile um, situation that he was involved in, a lengthy layoff as a result, coming back to fight Daniel Cormier for the title. He seems motivated, but is there too much there on his plate? You know, I, it's funny. I actually saw John out at uh, Jackson's Gym in, in New Mexico um, a few weeks ago, and I, I, I mean, I, there obviously have been a lot of distractions there, too. I, I do think there's a difference, though, between the sort of distractions that John has had. A lot of them, honestly, are sort of self-generated and were his yeah. fault versus getting beaten up like that. I mean, I think, again, if you're in this sport, if you're in MMA and you basically haven't been touched and then you have a fight, in which case you're literally knocked out cold with a kick to the head – that really changes your relationship with the sport. And I think John, John Jones has not had that. I mean, I think John Jones has been a real disappointment in a lot of ways. This is a guy who I thought really could have taken MMA to a new level. You know, he obviously doesn't look like your conventional cage fighter. He doesn't act like your conventional cage fighter. I, I think that this is a guy who, you know, three, four, five years ago, you would have said, this guy's going to be the LeBron James of MMA. It's been very disappointing to see how he's handled his career, but he hasn't been beaten. And I think that, uh, I think that's, I mean, the, the Gustafson fight, obviously, he took some licks, but I think what happened to Ronda is a lot different from Troubles with the Law, which is essentially what John's had. Yeah, we talked briefly there about injuries and concussions. With with um, Rafael de Sanyos pulling out of the fight, Jose Aldo pulling out of the other fight, like, what, what can we do? What can Dana White, what can the Fertitas do about injury prevention? Because it's killing the sport in a sense, especially with us Irish fans who are, I've I've gone to the Poirier, me and Danny have gone to the Poirier fight, we've gone to um, the Mendez fight. Um, it it's costs us a small fortune to get over there and then when a title fight pulls out so, so soon to the fight, is there anything that can be done? I, I know they spoke about an injury prevention centre, but... What, what, what's your take on it? I mean, it's it's real. I mean, you get Dana White going on this point, and it's a great source of frustration to him because he can talk about, I mean, he can make the matches. He can say, you know, you're Graham, you and I are going to fight, and here's the date, and here's the weight. But the UFC doesn't really get into the gym. The UFC doesn't oversee the training. I think a lot of these fighters overtrain. I think that 
remember, you're it's sort of a strange drill for these fighters where on the one hand they're training for fights, but they're also a lot of times just coming during a period where they're trying to cut weight. And it's very much gym by gym. I mean, the, the UFC is not in there supervising training. I mean, the one thing they can do, honestly, I mean, I think economics will take care of this to some extent. And if, you know, you're you're missing out on these big checks by foolish training, that's a lot of incentive to train correctly. Part, part of this is just the nature of the sport, honestly. I mean, it, it is a physical by definition. It's a combat sport. It's a physical sport. Injuries are going to happen. But, yeah, I, I agree with you that um, the, the fact that you have these injuries so frequently before big fights is really uh, is really problematic. And I'm not sure what the UFC can do apart from going in there, which they're not going to do. I think the other thing they can do is maybe, maybe there's a way to just create these financial incentives where, listen, if you get hurt during training, you're going to have to forfeit X percent of your purse the same way you would if you didn't make weight. Um, but but I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's a real issue. I mean, we Look, I mean, we have... I don't know if you guys can, you know, so Conor McGregor's on the issue, you know, yeah. cover of Sports Illustrated. We go to press on Monday and he's fighting Dos Anjos and it's going to fight for the belt at 155. And then you wake up Tuesday and suddenly you find out that Dos Anjos can't fight and they're scrambling to find an opponent and it might be at 165. It might be at a catch weight. That's not a good look for, for UFC either. So um, th- this injury is a, is a real problem. I mean, some, someone gets hurt in a fight that happens, but you don't expect a guy, one of the most anticipated fights of the year, he's defending, he's fighting Conor McGregor, sort of the, the hottest star in the sport. You'd like to think that a guy with that on the table would figure out a way to to stay healthy and not have to pull out 10 days before such a big fight. Absolutely. Um, John, we really appreciate your time. We know uh, you, you've got a lot on there. So we'll just ask one or two more questions, if that's okay. <laughs> um, maybe a quick change of pace, too. Obviously... You're big on MMA, but you're also big on tennis yourself. Um, your podcast, Beyond the Baseline. You had Andre Agassi on most recently. Get uh, uh, Andre that, on today. That's right. That was that was pretty cool. I had a quick listen. Yeah, I'll tell you something. Hold that thought real quick. Andre Agassi uh, from Las Vegas, right? Yeah. He actually, as as a teenager, used to used to hang out a bit with Dana White. No way. Well, a little, little trivia, a little, uh, little tennis MMA crossover. <laughs> That's right. brilliant. That's yeah. unbelievable. Um, also, Andre Agassi, probably one of the more, um, as you said as well, his, his book, which I discussed on the podcast and that kind of thing, but a lot went on, Dublin and Crystal Met, and one thing and the other. Um, do you think tennis is maybe lacking some of the characters that you have in MMA, or do you think that there isn't quite a mass appeal that there used to be with Sampras and Agassi these days? You've got Djokovic maybe kind of wrapping everything up as he goes along. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it really depends. I mean, some, some people, I mean, I, I see what goes on in the UFC and I see MMA and I see these fighters and they're on social media and they're, uh, there, there is a level of personality in MMA that is strikingly absent in tennis if you had Conor McGregor in tennis, I'm not sure how well that goes over with a tennis crowd. John but I, I do. I, mean, I do think tennis could tennis could learn a lot from the UFC about how to to run a business and how to sort of popularize younger fans and how to use social media. And I, um, I mean, I, I've, I, I love UFC, and I, I think that um, I think a lot of American sports leagues still sort of, you know, have they have their nose in the air a little bit, and it's it's cage fighting and it's barbaric and it's bloody. I think the UFC, there are a lot of sports leagues, tennis among them, but not only tennis, they could really learn a lot from how 
the UFC runs their business. Absolutely, I completely agree. I think it's the same for rugby over here. I think it's another one that could learn a thing or two from that. But listen, John, um, appreciate you've got a lot going on over there at the moment. So I want to say thanks to me for your time. Before we let you go, if people want to learn a little bit more about yourself and that kind of thing, they can follow you on Twitter. They can follow me, uh, John, J-O-N underscore Wertheim on Twitter and I don't know, Sports Illustrated website. Um, it's I uh, hope, hope everyone enjoys the show. On March 5th, this this one should be interesting. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for your time and thanks for putting Graham out there and making him viral. He <laughs> hasn't stopped talking about it. and uh, going to make him famous. That, yeah, that's it. Listen, John Wertheim, <laughs> thanks so much Graham for Graham and I know a makeup artist. It's going to make him look good when he uh, does TV next. <laughs> Fiona, Fiona will help us. Yeah, they get Fiona to do something to my face. Exactly. <laughs> thanks very much, John. All right. Thanks, guys. See Take you again. Care. Bye-bye. Take care. Yeah. So that was John Wertheim, uh, our guest this week. The uh, Great um, to have a few minutes with that man. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, as I said, he's the executive editor, senior writer, all-round journalist guru associated with Sports Illustrated, of course. and uh, has been for the best part of 20 years, so he's uh, an authoritative figure in the world of sport, I would say. Yeah, well, the producers, um, when when the feature, the lads, Sports Illustrated, came to my house. You're a swimsuit. Just, yeah, I had yeah. I tried a few speedos on, but they said, "Nah, man, we can't, we can't do that." People um, wouldn't be able to handle it. Well, they're just saying they were just saying that the the river in front of Glenavon wasn't yeah. matching with the photo. Do you know the swimsuit and I stuff get like you. that? I get you. Was it a case as well that it looked like you had fourteen budgies smuggled? Down there? <laughs> <laughs> there was a few pigeons flying in the background as well. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you someone tweets now about my pigeon voice. They absolutely will. Um, no, um, the guys are saying, Colin, uh, the producer, who's a lovely, lovely man um, from Brooklyn. I was going to do a Brooklyn accent there, but I can't. And, uh, and I hope it's better than your pigeon impression. He was. He knew that we had a pod- podcast. And I was like, how does he know? He obviously did it. He'd obviously done his research on your ground. Might, Fiona might have told him. Did um, he know you were on Fair City? No, I told him. <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> Who did I not tell that for Jesus' sake? Um, no, but Fiona, did I did I mention how it was set up? No, I was actually going to say to you, like people. I can't remember, did I mention it with Tony? It doesn't matter. Look, because yeah. people might have missed that. Um, if you did miss that, check it out. Previous chapter, Tony McGregor, absolute gentleman. Uh, so, uh, as look, you just heard we we're talking to John Wertheim, who was Sports Illustrated. Um, he played a key part in this thing of Graham going viral, essentially. <laughs> so, what exactly happened, Graham? So, John, as we heard there, um, covers MMA and tennis. Crazy mixture, but anyway. And a friend of mine, Fiona O'Hare and Cliff Henry. um, You might... You might remember them actually. I do. Well, I remember Cliff. Yeah, Cliff. But they had the the. They also went viral with a proposal, the wedding proposal on. Oh, Hill. and Bono was involved. Bono, Cliff yes. met Bono on the way, or they met him on the way back down, or whatever. But anyway, those two friends of mine, they work for ESPN. Um, and Fiona's a makeup artist, a great makeup artist. Contact her, Fiona O'Hare, um, on Facebook, and it, if she's free, not traveling all over the world with ESPN, she'll do her makeup. Um, I might give her a show for myself. But Cliff is a stagehand. Yeah. He does stage production, and Fiona's a makeup artist, and they go, they, they basically follow the tennis circuit around the world. Okay, right. For maybe half the year. Um, so John was a guest on the show, and... Fiona was doing his makeup and they just started chatting and 
he said that he was sending a crew over to Dublin to do a feature in Connor and they were thinking about including a fan. Did she know a fan? And Fiona's like, yeah, my friend Graham's a fan. So Fiona messaged me and said, look, is it okay if I give John your details? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So me and John started emailing maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I yeah. didn't I didn't think it was definitely going to happen, you know, that way. But yeah. um, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, hadn't heard from him. Then the tours that actually Friday night I heard from them and they just dropped to my house on Saturday morning. There for about an hour or two. Carl Merrigan made the tea. Great for the lads. Carl was disgusted that they didn't take milk or sugar. It was just a tea bag. Sorry, what? They don't take milk or So Colin the producer was oh, like good uh, Lord. Carl goes, uh, Many sugars do you take? And he's like, Oh no, I don't do sugar, man. Uh, leave the tea bag in as well. All right. What about the milk? Don't take milk. You don't take milk or sugar. <laughs> and he's like, No, it's cool and he's like that's mad. So Carl was the the roadie, <laughs> the I runner, love Carl. the runner right. on the day. I love Carl. He's a great guy. Um, so yeah, they came to the house and and Colin knew about the podcast and then brilliant. Colin, the fir- one of the first conversations Colin was like, "You should get John on the f- podcast. You're helping him. He can help you." I was like, "That's a great idea." Yeah. So then I emailed John after the lads wrapped up and said, "Look, would you like to come on the podcast?" He said, "I'd love to help out." So. That's how and it was. Absolute gent. Yeah. Absolute gent. Um, it's a peculiar mix, isn't it? MMA and tennis. It is. It is. And he's also wrote about the NBA as well. Like, yeah. Um, but like, as you, you can hear from talking to the dude, that he, he's so down. He just knows what's going on. He has his finger on the pulse. Like, and he um, he has a good way of putting things across. Mm. You know what I mean? He just puts it very simply but very elegantly as well. Like, he's featured in the documentary thing as well, about Connor. That's right. He is. Yeah. Um, the other thing about him as well, as I said, I listen to the podcast. They just do, you know yourself. You do a little bit of research. Yeah, where, you I know. do. And I listen to uh, to a good chunk of his podcast with Andre Agassi. Again, it's called Beyond the Baseline, um, Sports Illustrated tennis podcast. And I wouldn't be a huge tennis fan. I take an interest when Wimbledon's on or whatever. Like everyone in Ireland, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tennis you know? rackets out on the road. Um, but well, it was actually very interesting. Like it, it was, it was a very good uh, chat he had with Andre Agassi, and Agassi would be one obviously that everybody remembers. You know what I mean? The whole losing his hair thing and whatnot. But anyway, but absolutely. That's gentle. a great fact about Agassi and Dana White. Isn't That's it? incredible. Yeah, that uh, I never knew that. Can we get a scoop? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Going to blow this thing wide open. See. Um, so yeah. So right. So what was it like having? Because, um, I mean, you, you told me a very interesting thing about it, in that the uh, the crew that were in your gaff yeah. were also on a very other, or sorry, also on a very other, were also on another shoot that was very, very famous. <laughs> yeah, Colin, the producer, produced the Ronda Rousey swimsuit. So, and that conversation <laughs> came up because Carl's like, Carl gave him the tea and then Carl's yeah. like, have you ever met Ronda Rousey? And uh, Colin's like, yeah, I, I produced her, her latest um, swimsuit. He said, which actually uh, actually drops to the chair or goes out on Monday. Yeah. He said, you can't say anything yet. And we're like, hey, it's Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> You're grand. Yeah, relax um, yourself. But he's like, yeah, he was, on the, he was the producer of the body paint edition of Ronda Rousey's famous swimsuit. So I was like, so you, where was that? And he's like, oh, somewhere in the Caribbean. I think he said Chile or Cuba. I think he said Cuba. And uh, I was like, sort of, you're going from some exotic, be- exotic beach in Cuba to the main streets of Ballybrack. <laughs> it was pissing rain. It was grey. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> F- Fifty Shades of Beige. <laughs> amazing. That's, it's amazing, though, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's mad how it happened. Like, Fiona just talking to someone in a, a makeup room, you know. People paragraph. It's crazy. That's what that is. It's not watching out, too, you know. Yeah, it's you know crazy. 
Um, and I'm it's not a just, great experience because they they spent maybe twenty minutes, twenty five minutes sussing out what room downstairs in the house has um, the best light. Yeah, yeah. And they said my bedroom. I was like, how the hell is going to fit in the bedroom? So yeah. it was a tight squeeze. But then there's a part of the piece where I pick up the flag. Like that was filmed. I thought filming was over. They yeah. they had they had packed up from my room, but they they still had camera out and stuff, and I they had to they didn't take them. But my mic was still on, so I took the flag. The cameraman goes, "Oh damn, damn! I wish we didn't get. I wish we got that flag during the interview." And I I kind of just wheeled over, picked it up, and said, "Oh, this flag." And Colin goes, "Can you do that again?" I was like, "Yeah." So I wheeled over, and he's like, he was directing me to bring it out to the sitting room or to the kitchen. So I brought it out yeah. to the kitchen as you see in the piece, but. I genuinely didn't know it was still filming until Colin, when I said, uh, my legs don't work or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember what I say. No, you don't work or something. Yeah. Um, the producer was f- nearly falling on the ground, but it was silent laughter. He had his fist in his mouth. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're filming. <laughs> <laughs> so there's loads. They, we filmed about 30 minutes. Yeah. And they just took the best bits into two minutes. I have to say, and I'm not just saying it because I see it here with you every week and I love you to bits, but I think you came across very well on it. Thank and, you. Uh, I was a bit insecure about it. No, I, I genuinely do. I think you came across very well on it. Um, and I think the, the reaction to it has been overwhelmingly positive. Mm. So, when are you doing the body paint issue? Um, Hopefully next year, man. Can't I'll wait. put my name down for it anyway. Can't wait. So, yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't yeah, it? Would be. <laughs> Amazing. They can scanger me banger as well. <laughs> me chair. <laughs> put, put paint on me on me chair and Imagine they they done your chair like camouflage and look like you're floating. Yeah. Remember we spray painted my chair green, white and orange for the World Cup in two thousand two? No, we've spray painted my hair green, white and orange Did for the World Cup in two thousand two. Ireland. Had a mohawk. I remember that, yeah, yeah. 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 I'd look like a tool. <laughs> <laughs> you were ge- you were getting ready to giggle before that sentence we finished. Did. <laughs> I knew I where it's going. It's like that's a self-deprecation. You need, Classic. don't you, Graham? Yes. Just about out of time, mate. Time's up. Um, you will be in Vegas when people are listening, having this coming into their eardrums. Hopefully, I'm crowd surfed again in in the MGM, running amok. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm I'm absolutely devastated that I'm not going to be there this time. I feel like I'm actually raging. Yeah, I feel like I'm this, sharing around with your bleeding brother. This must be what <laughs> Westlife felt like when, when Brian was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm essentially Brian McFadden So it's me, Jono, Jay Mooney and Carl Merrow Yeah, so essentially it is It's the same group except you and Ben Yeah, exactly, yeah and Actually, Ollie's not going Oh, yeah Ollie. I don't know any seven-piece male band So I'm going to stick to me Westlife Analogy <laughs> And I'm going to stick to me being Brian McFadden I'm going to have to do my solo career and sing uh, What song is he saying? This is the city that raised me Do you remember that one? No, stop it now, don't Speaking of solo career, yeah. me and John are going to see Mike Tyson's show on the Thursday night. Yes, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah. That should be good, eh? He will be giving a What's the Story um, business card when I'm there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we haven't forgotten, by the way, I, I forgot to say uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a competition and uh, we did have a winner and we have organised, but we just haven't had the t-shirts made yet, so. Oh yeah, we, well, as soon as we get them made, a few people I'll need to give them out to as well. Exactly, yeah. But um, look, enjoy Vegas. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to see the King do his stuff. Um, I can't wait. We're confident, aren't we? Yeah, I'm confident. 100%? More so than any other fight? 99.999. No, I was far more confident against Brandeo when I was far more confident about, about uh, Poirier. 
You have no idea. In the hours building up the party, I got nervous. You <laughs> shit your tax, man. I, I tacked me breach day, so I did. <laughs> you were nervous, um, Rick. You were more but, nervous than me. But, uh... That was the Friday night when we got up early Saturday morning to watch the football and you were pacing. Yeah, you're right, actually, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I started drinking cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> At eight in the morning, started drinking cocktails. Because you, ner- you were nervous, right? I asked for a strawberry daiquiri and they said, uh, we, don't, we don't do those. And I was like, is it because I'm a man? And Juan just looked at me and she's like, no, we just don't do them. <laughs> <laughs> is it because I'm a man? <laughs> um, so what did you say? <laughs> so we moved on to pina coladas, which are rotten, by the way. And, uh, Is it because I'm a man? Yeah, because, you know what I mean? Like, strawberry daiquiri. Look, hey, listen. <laughs> strawberry daiquiris are delish. Yeah, and they're even better if they come with a little umbrella in it. <laughs> um, and then I, I moved on to whiskey sours, and they're, they're unbelievable. Drink, they are lo- we drink got one the last time, though, and I didn't, we didn't. I yeah, didn't like it's it weird. See, it's weird. If it's made properly, it's delicious. But if people just cop out and they put a whiskey in with a sour cordial... That's not a whiskey sour. That's essentially a whiskey and lime. Mm. You cheap bastard. I'll have one in your honour over there. Please do. Raise a glass. Um, look, we're out of time. Enjoy Vegas. Uh, come on, McGregor. If you want to hear from other chapters and uh, whatnot, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic, anywhere and everywhere that you can hear a podcast. Just search WTS Pod. And we are there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at WTS Pod. If you want to follow us on the Facebook, we're uh, facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland. I'm at Dan John Murray. He's at Medigan Mania. This has been a Monster Story Podcast, Chapter 35. Until next week. Adios. Might and God bless.